Welcome to the Connection Church Dublin Sermon Podcast. Our mission is to connect people to a growing relationship with Jesus. One of the ways we do that is through the preaching of God's Word, centered on the gospel of Jesus Christ. Here's this week's message. Well, hey, good morning, everybody. Morning, man. First of all, let me just say uh, happy Mother's Day to all you mothers. Can we take a second and just say thank you to moms, right? Um, yeah, I, uh, I, I don't know where, where I would be, and um, you know, I think many of us could say that about our mothers. But I also want to honor those that maybe today, uh, Mother's Day is not such an easy day, whether maybe uh, you don't have your mother this year, or there's a strained relationship, or maybe you're a mother in waiting. I just want you to know one of the things the Bible says is that uh, we grieve with those who grieve. So I want you to know that you are heard, you are honored, uh, and we are praying with you in that season. And so um, if you have your Bibles, like I said, we'll be in Genesis chapter 6. Um, first of all, first time guest, I know I met some of you on the way in. Man, my name's Buck, and uh, I hope you've enjoyed the service so far. We are a simple church uh, focused on connecting people to a growing relationship with Jesus. Kind of a hallmark verse for us is uh, Romans 1.16, that the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. And so this past Wednesday, I want to celebrate with you guys. Uh, we saw a student go from death to life in Christ. And just an incredible story. Can we say thank you to God uh, for that? And we just say thank you for what he's doing um, in our church. And so um, today, uh, we celebrated mothers. There's a lot going on. And, uh, and now we turn the dial because as we just read, uh, we see the entire earth uh, changed. In fact, how it's changed is that all the peoples and the animals and things of the earth uh, have been wiped out in a flood, but yet we see one family that is saved. And so um, I think about the best way to describe this as we look back at this series, uh, A Greater Story, is that last weekend we saw the problem of sin come into the earth, right? We talked about um, the, the problem of sin that Adam and Eve uh, chose to disobey God. Uh, sin comes into the earth. A perfect home is fractured. And so now in Genesis 4, 5, and now 6, um, that bad news has gotten significantly worse, right? And in fact, that it says that God saw that the, the motivations of all human hearts were just bent on wickedness and evil. And so before we talk about God's judgment, I want you guys to imagine for a second what God must have felt as evil people um, were harming his creation, right? Like as people were doing only evil to each other, remember God's good design that, that his creation was meant to be in fellowship with him, cultivating and multiplying the earth. And yet now we see his very creation turning on each other. We see it uh, with Cain and Abel, right? Like two brothers. Uh, one brother was filled with evil in his heart and actually murdered his brother, right? And now we see uh, that the same heartbeat has gone throughout. We see this idea of the sons of, the sons of man, the sons of God, and the Nephilim, right? Many people uh, argue about what that means, but what we do know is that his sexual perversion is what's championing this thing. And so what we see is corruption filling the earth. And so a lot of times when we talk about judgment, we very rarely consider God's heart and we're simply looking at our own. I want you guys to look at something in verse 6. It says, So the Lord was sorry he had ever made them and put them on the earth. Now check this out. It says in the NLT, It broke his heart. Have you ever thought about that? That our God 
was heartbroken, like emotionally, he loved his creation so much. And let me just say this. I know there's all kinds of backgrounds in here. Um, uh, different church background, different experiences with God. And no matter what your spiritual background or experience is, I want to tell you, man, you have a God who loves, right? And I want you to marinate and hear that a second. You have a God who loves because uh, in his intensity of love for his people, his people have ran from him. In fact, it's, a, it's an interesting word. The word in the Greek um, as I was reading commentators talk about it, they said probably the most accurate way you could say this word is it would be like us showing up on our wedding day and our spouse leaving us for someone else, right? On wedding day. And it says this is the way God felt. He was, he was burdened, he was hurt by what humanity has done. And so what he decided to do uh, is to restart, Right? Because he saw that the earth was filled with corruption and, and it was just going to continue to go bad. You ever think about, I, I, uh, there's a, uh, one of our, our elders, um, he and I were uh, growing up together. And uh, I probably shouldn't have said that because this is not something brag worthy. But um, one, one baseball season, we decided that we were going to play all 162 games of a baseball season on a PlayStation, right? Sad, I know, right? Um, and so back in those days, these younger folks, man, you don't, you don't know this, but um, you put in a CD in the PlayStation, right, or whatever the game is. And so we would play these games, and we would play all nine innings. We had made this pact that we were going to do it. And so no matter where you were in the game, if the game froze and messed up, right, like there was no way to fix it. You ever felt that, anybody in my generation, like when, when the, the CD scratched and you can't fix it? And it's so frustrating, and you're, you're shaking the TV, you're kind of rattling the, the, the PlayStation. Um, his trick was, by the way, we would exit the game, and then uh, we, would, we would spray all kinds of stuff on it. We would do everything we could to fix the game. But remember, uh, the only way to do it was to what? To hit reset, right? And you have to start all over. Well, essentially, what God saw is that if things don't change... Um, th this is going to get worse, so I've got to restart. And so that's what's happening in this passage. And so um, I know we're celebrating mothers. Now we're talking about um, God's judgment. And God's judgment is not something popular to be talked about in churches, right? And why I believe that is this. I believe we have a lot of Christians um, that we aren't fully developed, okay? What I mean by that is this, um, is that we see God as always cuddly, always sentimental, sort of like the first teddy bear you got. Anybody remember that? Like your teddy bear always listened to all your problems and scooched up to you, you know? And, uh, and it was just a teddy bear that laid on your bed and waited for you to get home and cuddle up. And so um, what I want you to know is you really do have a God who loves you and cares for you. Um, but we have to see God in his entirety because that heart of God being love is not incorrect at all. It's just incomplete. Hear that again that we need to see the complete picture of God and that God is just. And because God is just, he is fair in all he does. And what we begin to see is no sin at all goes unpunished, right? And so what God did is decided to judge the earth, the first great judgment. And this is what it looked like, okay, is that he judged the earth. And the Bible says that sin leads to death, right? And so the just thing is that Sin, okay, would be met, judged with death. Now, that's not the end of the story, right? And what I would say is this. 
Um, we actually really do crave justice, right? We really do, and I'll tell you what I mean. Has anybody ever felt wronged by someone in your life? Someone stabs you in the back, or maybe it's something more atrocious, and there was this desire for vengeance? Well, one of the ways that I, I would say we can begin to talk about uh, justice is that um, we can really begin to, to see the need for it if we've experienced an injustice. Does that make sense? That if we've experienced an injustice, right, there's a natural tendency for justice. And so what I would say is that we actually do uh, crave justice. But this is what I would say, all right, is we want justice on our terms and not on God's. And that we, remember I said last week, we overestimate our goodness and we underestimate our God's goodness, right? And if, a lot of times how it fleshes itself out is um, we want mercy for us and justice for others. Say that again. We want mercy for us and we want justice for others. So I want to tell you a, a story real quickly um, uh, about kind of why I'm here preaching and what happened in my life, okay? Uh, it's been a, a few years ago now. Um, but uh, about six, seven years ago, um, I had a, a person in my life who I would call uh, the, the fun uncle. Has anybody had an uncle in your life that just broke all the rules? Um, he was kind of like uh, the, the dad with no rules, right? And, uh, and he taught me a lot of stuff, um, and he didn't teach me things a lot of times that I'm teaching in church. You hear what I'm saying? Um, but but uh, just a, a guy who I, I cherished, I loved, we, we enjoyed uh, time together. But um, in, in his life, um, really for me, that was like the, un, like the unchurched person that like Jesus could never save. Like the person that was, was way too far gone, right? And, uh, and as God began to move in my life, um, I began to pray for him and I watched God uh, begin to do a mighty work and, and I, I'll just fast forward to the story. A guy who I never thought would, would be in church consistently uh, on a Saturday at a rival, uh, revival service got radically saved. Radically saved. And, uh, and, and that's when it hit me of, man, this, this gospel that's preached is truly available to everyone. I want to tell everyone in here, that door is wide open. It's wide open to everyone. And so I say that talking about justice um, you know, he gets saved on a Saturday. A week later, we're, we're talking about it. And um, this is a, a little graphic, but it's just true. Um, that following Sunday night, uh, he went home um, into his trailer. And uh, that night, two, two young men um, strung out looking to, to steal, to make money, uh, broke into his trailer's altercation, and he was beaten to death. Eight days later. And, um, and I think about that, and I look at this year and talking about uh, justice in that, man, that, that's, that's been years now that, that I haven't got to go hunting with my uncle. I haven't got to see what God would have done with him, what it would have looked like, the Christian version of my Uncle Barry. You know, I, 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 I don't get that, right? And when we think about justice, I'll, I'll never forget when the young man, when it was trial, you, you get asked, well, do you guys want the death penalty? And our family is approached with this, and you're like, well, well how do we handle that? How do we handle justice and this, this grief and this thing. And, and I, I sell this in this story because I want to honor my grandmother because the older I get and the more I grow as a Christian, the more I've, I've learned from her life. And so, uh, you know, this sentence happens if we did not pursue the death penalty and, and this sentence goes on and, and, uh, and that day the, the boys pleaded guilty. And 
you know, my, my grandmother stood up in the courtroom and said, is there anything the family would say? And uh, she stood up and, and this was said, you could have heard a pin drop in the, the courtroom. She said, young man, I want you to know we forgive you. And I thought about that. And I thought about, well, how, how could she say that? Because I see people that run from God in the church all the time because of injustices, right? How could she say that? And by God's grace, she's as fiery for the Lord as she's ever been today, right? Well, how can she say that? Because that's someone that understands God's justice, but also understands God's forgiveness, right? Understands God's mercy, and so, man, I, I, I pray, and, and we do as a family, um, that those young men come to know the Lord because, you see, the problem that initiated this thing, that same problem lives in me and us, right? And what I want to talk about today is this, is that God has done what only God could do to save us from the problem. And so if you've struggled with injustices, Right, like this past year, um, justice has been the, the story uh, of, of our nation, of people fighting and warring about stuff. Well, here's the deal, okay? I want you guys to hear this. We as Christians, okay, should stand in the gap for anyone that's experienced injustice. But what I want you to know is this. We should not want justice on our terms, but we should want justice on God's terms. Amen. This is what the Bible says in Romans 12. Um, if you've struggled with that, if you feel like someone's done you wrong, and, and what I want you to know is this, is that we should love mer mercy and leave justice to God because I promise you, God is a just God. This is what it says. It says to never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see that you're honorable. So all that you can, so that you can live in peace with everyone. Verse 19, dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the scriptures say, I will take revenge. I will pay them back, says the Lord. And last verse, I want you to, to kind of take this with you, okay? Micah 6, 8, that's what the Bible says. It says, um, O people, the Lord told you what is good, and this is what he requires of you, to do what is right. To act justly is what the NIV says. And then to what? To love mercy and to walk humbly with our God, right? And so I want to give you a snapshot of justice, of um, justice is a good and right thing, depending on how you've experienced injustice. And know that nothing uh, that's gone wrong here, it will be made right in heaven. Does that make sense? You guys tracking? All right, so... Um, moving forward, talking about God's judgment. These are the four takeaways so far in the story, a greater story, okay? Um, number one is this, uh, God is creator. Remember, we exist for God, he does not exist for us. Secondly, Satan is the enemy, right? We talked about, we see in Adam and Eve in the garden, he lied and what he wants to do is destroy us. He wants to drag us away from the truth. Um, thirdly, we've learned that sin is the problem, right? And sin has now come into the world. And guess what? We've all inherited this problem from Adam and Eve, that we, um, we are sinners, not because, um, just because we sin, right? We are sinners from birth, like we have this problem. And so what I want you to see today is that God will judge sin. We've already seen it once. God will judge sin, and no sin goes unpunished. And so really what I want to do for the rest of our message is I want us to learn from Noah, because the Bible says that Noah found favor with God, right? And then I want you to see how this passage points to Jesus. Remember, this whole series is about how every story we read each week 
whispers the name of Jesus. So first thing I want you to take with you if you're taking notes. Noah's faith made him righteous. Hear that again. Noah's faith made him righteous. As we're talking about sin, which is never fun, right? Maybe you're thinking about your own struggles in life. Or maybe something that you're like, man, I, I, I know I'm in rebellion against God here. Well, what I want you to know, first of all, is that as God judged the earth and wiped out every living creature, it says in verse 8 that Noah found favor with God. Now let's read verse 9. It says, this is the account of Noah and his family. Noah was a righteous man, the only blameless person living on the earth at the time. And so the first thing I want you to know about blameless is this. Um, Noah wasn't blameless because of how good he was. Noah was blameless because, it says, he walked in close fellowship with God, right? Because, see, here's the thing. At the end of this story, Noah gets off the boat. You know what he does? Gets drunk, like right off the rip. So the problem didn't stay on the boat. No, when Noah got off the boat, sin got off with him, right? And so he was not made right by how good he was. But no, uh, Noah was made right because he had faith in God, right? And so, uh, you know, Noah, we, we just read, like, he goes on and he builds the ark. But what I want you to know is the ark did not save Noah. It was his faith that saved him. Hear that again. It wasn't the ark that just saved Noah. That was the physical body that, that he got on. But it was his faith in God that saved him. Noah was saved by faith, not by works. Hear that again. Noah was saved by his faith not by work. So what it means to us is this. If we know we have sin and God judges sin, understand you don't start by uprooting the problem. No, you start by coming to faith in Jesus, all right? All right? That's how the problem is approached because you and I have the problem, okay? Now, secondly, what I want you to see is that Noah's faith produced obedience. Look with me in verse 22 in the NLT. It says, so Noah did everything exactly as God had commanded him. So if I could uh, tell you the story, Noah builds the boat, family gets on the boat, God floods the earth, 40 days, 40 nights, it rains, all right? Noah gets off the boat when the waters reside, he and his family. God puts a rainbow in the sky and basically says, I I'm making a covenant with you, Noah, and everyone else, I'll never do this again. I'll never flood the earth again. But see, this is what happened. Noah was made right by his faith, but his faith produced obedience, right? How many times um, would you guys say that uh, our culture has a misinterpretation of faith, right? That a lot of times we believe that simple belief uh, is just faith, but no, faith always accompanies obedience. I'll show you what I mean. The Bible gives us three things. Number one is this. When we have true faith, Three things always accompany that faith. Number one, faith produces fruit, right? I ain't talking about apple trees. You guys tracking? The Bible, the Bible gives us uh, a list of fruits. It says that our lives are marked by love, by joy, by peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And so as we have faith, our faith begins to produce these fruits in our life, that we love more, we're joyful, and, and we begin to look more and more uh, like, like these fruits of the Spirit, right? Like that is a mark of a believer. The Bible says in, I believe, Matthew 7, that we can recognize uh, believers by the fruit they bear, right? Secondly, what does faith produce? Faith produces steps of faith, right? The Bible says that we walk by faith, not by sight, 
And so think about Noah. I want you guys to put yourself uh, in the perspective of Noah. We see the whole world is filled with wickedness. This sin problem is tearing folks up, right? Like, and Noah is the only person that has faith in God. He's the only one. You guys ever been in a situation at home or in your workplace or on your, uh, in your everyday lives where you, you're the only one around that cares about anything of God? Maybe it's people in your workplace telling dirty jokes. Uh, maybe it's degrading the opposite sex. Maybe it's gossiping and you're the only one. You know that feeling in those settings? Well, imagine you're the only believer in the entire earth. And so I want to speak to something for a second because I know approval is such a, a hard thing that a lot of times what the enemy wants to do to keep you from your purpose and walking by faith is that we would get the approval of others. Teenagers, I want to encourage you. And at this prime age, okay? Listen, don't let the approval of others keep you from being approved of by God, right? We don't live for the approval of others. Men, right, do not live your lives to gain the approval of your 30, 40, 50-year-old buddies, right? No, we live our lives to get the approval of our Father because, see, this is what happened. Noah didn't care so much what people thought. No, he cared about what God thought. Hear that again. Noah didn't just care about what people thought because no, everyone else thought he was an idiot. Like, dude has been building an ark in the middle of a desert, and guess what? Wasn't no Home Depot back then. You with me? My man's hand-building an ark. Every animal got on. He didn't do it in 10 minutes. No, he built that boat in a desert for years and years. Heck, he was 600 years old when he got on the thing. Can you imagine people walking by and like, well, that's Noah, that dude's nuts, Right? Don't, don't hang out with Noah. That dude's, man, that dude's weird, right? But Noah didn't care what people thought. Noah cared about what God thought. Sometimes in our life, obedience doesn't make sense. You ever felt that way? Man, God, God, why would you use me to this task? God, why would you call me to do this, right? You ever felt that way? A lot of times stepping by faith, whatever it may look like in your life, whether it's starting to read the Bible, maybe for some of you it's taking that step to honor God in your, your relationship. Maybe for some of you um, it's to finally start discipling kids or maybe for some of you it's to actually live it out at work. You don't even know what it's gonna look like, right? All you knew is God is calling you to take a step. Man, I wanna tell you, that step is never comfortable, but once you step into it, you'll see that it's always worth it, right? Always worth it. And see, this is what happened. Even though Noah couldn't see it, right? It was uncomfortable. If we waited till we were comfortable to plant a connect group or a church, we'd never plant one. Our, our network of churches, we have six, praying about seven this year. Um, if we all felt ready before we went, we'd have never planted a church. Connect group leaders, if you're in the room, how many of you felt ready when you went? Almost no one, right? No, because obedience is rarely comfortable. What can we learn from Noah, okay? Noah built the boat before it started raining, he trusted God. He trusted God even when God said it's going to rain and he had never seen it before. He trusted the word of God. And what I want you to know is God has given a call on us to go and make disciples, to go and make a difference in the earth. And if God's calling you to something, he'll do everything it takes to see you through it, right? And that's what God does. That's what we see him providing for Noah. And then lastly, faith produces works. The Bible says in James 2, 17, that faith without works is dead. Faith without works is dead. That he actually did pick up, uh, the, his, he used his hands, he picked up the wood, and he actually built the boat. He actually did something. Like he actually um, went to work. In fact, saving faith doesn't keep us standing still. Saving faith moves us and puts us to work. 
Hear that again? Saving faith doesn't keep us standing still. It saves us and puts it to work. And so I'm going to share something that's a little uncomfortable, but it's just true. In our part of the world, okay, there are many that have their faith in a one-time decision and a baptism tank that never moved forward. See, saving faith is the start of the journey, not the ending. Right? The end of the journey is not the beginning. No, the end of the journey is a life that looks more like Jesus that's made an impact in the world. Does that make sense? So what I want you to take with you is this. Our work doesn't save us, but saving faith always goes to work. Hear that again. Our work doesn't save us. You won't do enough in this world to merit a relationship with Jesus and being saved, but once we understand a relationship with Jesus, we're compelled to go do the work. So, so if we're all supposed to build, you're like, well, Buck, what, what does that work look like? You know, am I supposed to build stuff? Like literally, like, um, it, first of all, let me just say this. If, if being a Christian was about building good stuff, um, man, I'm in trouble, right? I've told it many times, uh, tried to build a swing set, nearly broke my hand. So um, it's just, it's not. So what, what is building? I want to read Ephesians 4. This is what all of us, if you're a Christ follower, if you know Jesus is Lord, this is how we're called to build. Ephesians 4, starting in verse 11. It says, now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. Now, those are the leadership gifts. But the responsibility, okay, this is what all of us are to do, is to equip God's people. This is what we're doing. We're preaching the Word of God. You're like, why am I hearing the Word of God? To equip God's people, okay, uh, to His work and to build up the church and the body of Christ. That that is the work all of us have been called to. Well, how do we build the church, okay? Um, we build the church by going and reaching and building the church by bringing in, but also reading the Bible, training, equipping, raising up and sending out. Does that make sense? We build the church up in the faith. We send the church out to go make a difference in the world. I'm gonna talk about this next week. But the, the idea of the church is that we not build a great structure up. That No, we build people up so that they might be sent out and making a difference in the world and leading people to Jesus. That is the purpose of the church. That's what we're here to do is to build up the body, man. I, I hope you guys love my preaching. I really do. I, I really do. If you don't, man, just, just stay quiet. Man, I still got a little bit, you know, like got to work through some own stuff, this selflessness. But this is the deal. I want you to make a difference in the world for Jesus. At the end of the day, at the end of the day, I want to see the earth filled with his glory and I want to go see Jesus. And that's the work that the body of Christ has been called to. And one of the reasons I don't believe we're doing it is, man, we're bored, right? Like, like, like you don't have to come and just hear me call the play, man. Let's go run the play all week long. You guys tracking with me? Is it, man, I believe we're bored and we come and we listen and we hear and, man, it was a good message this week. Well, man, I'm going to run out of them, right? My voice is eventually going to get old. But, man, I'm going to tell you, the voice of those that come into your own and hear the gospel and get saved, that, that voice never gets old. That voice never gets old, right? And God's called you to the work, right? Okay, so um, let's, let's move on. I want, you, I want to ask you some questions as we apply this to our life, Okay. Um, is your faith producing fruit? Is your faith producing fruit? This is kind of a, a check where we are. Is your faith producing next steps? You know, are, are you serving? Are you in community? Are you a part of discipleship? Have you gone through heart and soul? Are you taking next steps to be equipped for the work of the ministry, right? So is your faith producing next steps? Have you started reading your Bible? Have you started taking that thing that, not because Bug said it, but because the Holy Spirit's been saying it to you? 
Right? Like, what is God calling you to? Because the faith produces next steps. Is your faith growing the kingdom of God and building up the church? Because that are the things that faith produces in us, is that we've all been called to something. Now, um, second thing I want you to see in here, um, or the next thing I want you to see in here um, is this. is We've been going through this series, um, and a lot of what we're preaching uh, is in the Jesus Storybook Bible. We have gave those out at Easter, and so um, if you don't have one, man, I would love for you to grab one. If you can't grab one, let us know. Uh, but this series, what we really want to do is that we want you guys to read the Bibles with your families and start with the Jesus Storybook Bible. Right, And so what I want you to know is this about Noah's faith. Noah's faith changed his family's future. Hear that again. Noah's faith changed his family's future. The fruit of his obedience saved his family. Right? Remember, we talked about it. Our children will most likely build their lives the way we're building ours. And Noah built an ark that not only honored God and saved himself, but he built an ark his family could get on. Right? And so I want to tell you something, and this is just calling out men. You, you are called to be the spiritual leader of your home, right? Like, like that is your responsibility. And with that, I want to say, I know there's a lot of single mothers or mothers that you feel like you're doing it on your own. I just want to honor you. You are, you are the, the real hero. You're the real hero. You are seen in your work and what you're doing, and it's incredible. And I pray God gives you the strength and grace to keep doing what you do. But I want to talk to men. We are called... We are called to lead our families. And Noah's faith changed his family's future. Well, many will say, well, I don't, I don't know how. Well, how, how, do I, how do I lead a family? Let's check out what Noah did, okay? Noah didn't know how to build the boat. God just said, hey, I need you to build a boat. But I want you to look um, right here in, uh, what is it? Verse 14 through 16, God gave Noah the blueprints of how to. Hear that again. He asked them to build the boat but he also gave them the blueprints. God has given you blueprints to build your life in Christ, to build your family up in Christ. And look, here are the blueprints, the word of God, right? God has given us the blueprints of what it looks like. And so you don't have to know it all in two weeks. Remember, start small, make it a habit. Hear that again. Start small, make it a habit. I have a huge win to share. Our kids' ministry um, is, by the way, man, I just want to tell you, I'm just going to speak for the team. Man, right now, they're telling your kids about Jesus, on their level. They're sharing the gospel with them, loving them, providing a creative learning environment on their level. And they're praying. I, I know the ladies, uh, they're praying for your kids to come to know Jesus. But our mission statement is this, partnering with parents to connect kids to a growing relationship with Jesus. Okay. We don't have jungle gyms, but we have people that are faithfully sharing the gospel. Right. And so this year, if you have a killer year in church, right? You attend church 52 out of 52 weeks. That's 52 hours that the church gets to share the gospel. But one intentional hour with your child each week, that's 365 hours of opportunity to have a spiritual conversation, to read the Bible, to pray together, to turn on worship music and talk about what the lyrics say. That, hear that, 52 hours versus 365 if one hour is dedicated. And it doesn't have to all be reading. Like, do something fun and just talk about Jesus. But I say all that to say, the last two weeks, under fifth grade, we've had five children receive Jesus. Can we go ahead and celebrate that? And you want to know how many people called me to lead their kids to Christ? Zero. You know how many of those decisions were made at church? Zero. 
Why? Because, man, I see it as a, a win, is that, brothers and sisters, we are being equipped to win our households for Christ, and I believe that is what we're called to do in this season, and I believe that's why we're seeing such spiritual fruit, is that households that have been uh, kept by the enemy, keeping the Word of God out, just us going through the motion, this, this, this happy-go-lucky sort of, uh, I hope things go around. No, people are stepping up to bring the Word of God to their homes, and we're winning them for Christ. That's what's happening. I believe that's what we're seeing. And man, what a win. That's what it looks like. And so I want to encourage you, okay? The enemy seeks to steal, kill, and destroy. If he can break up a household, he'll do it. But I said it a few weeks ago is this. We're fighting back, church. We're going on offense. We're, we're going to win households for Christ. And we're going to see generations after us. If Jesus doesn't come back, I pray we have grandchildren that are leading people to Jesus. As everybody else complains about how dark this world's getting, we're going to be agents of light in this world to see the gospel go to the ends of the earth. So check this out. A couple of application questions. Are you reading the blueprints? Remember, this year, it's a greater story. We're going to pick out a story each week here on Sunday. But man, we want you to read with us. In small groups, connect groups, we're going to be talking about the passages we study on Sundays. Man, my encouragement is, even if you have no clue where to get started, start small, make it a habit. Read the blueprints. Let's read the blueprints. Secondly, I should have a question. Are you leaving out God's blueprints? Right? Remember, Noah actually built the ark. God had called him to build it, and he started building. And because he would build, um, it changed his family's future. Right? And then lastly, last question. Um, how is your faith shaping your family's future? How is your faith? What's your faith like? Because make no mistake, our faith is shaping our family. Right? And this isn't just for kids, but I'm talking about brothers and sisters, moms and dads, grandparents. I'm talking about the family as a whole. Uh, our faith shapes those around us. Right? And so I want to ask you those questions to leave with you. So you say, Buck, we've been talking about Noah. We've been talking about what he did and all these sorts of things. You said every story whispers his name. Well, where's Jesus? Where's Jesus? Okay? What does this have to do with Jesus? What I want to show you is this. Jesus is a better Noah, and Jesus is a better ark. Hear that again. Jesus is a better Noah. Remember, I said Noah found favor with God. He had faith in God. The minute he gets off the boat, gets drunk, and we learn that, man, the problem went off the boat with Noah. We need a better Noah. Noah was not sufficient to save all mankind, right? We see the problem continue, that in this reboot, this restart, this reset um, we see that the problem still exists. We need a better Noah. And let me show you why Jesus is a better Noah. Jesus will obey God even when no one understands him, right? Jesus will obey God when people hate him. It says through his obedience, people will be saved from God's judgment. This is Jesus coming, right? Jesus will shield us. If we have a relationship with Jesus, we are shielded from God's judgment, right? It passes over us. We don't have to worry about God's judgment, just like the ark did Noah. Because Noah was on the ark, God's judgment passed over him. He was saved. In the same way, when we're covered by Jesus, we're saved. The ark had many rooms, right? It had three floors and many rooms. Jesus said, he's preparing heaven and there will be many rooms for you. Right? We see this illustration of Jesus making uh, the ark, right? a better ark. The ark was made of wood. The ark was made of wood. The cross was made of wood. And on that cross, Jesus made a way. 
right? Jesus opened the door to a better ark. He is the way. And in this ark, we see him building rooms in his father's house. That's with God in heaven. We see that Jesus has made a way. And this ark is for the people of the kingdom. This ark is for the church. And when I say the church is this, those that have a relationship with Jesus, we've been invited to get on a better ark. So what does this have to do with us? You remember that problem that got off the boat? We all have it. All of us deserve judgment. We've all sinned, just like the people in the days of Noah, right? All of us are are imperfect, right? All of us have done things that hurt people. All of us have been hurt by people. We see that sin is still here. It's still this problem, right? But what do we learn about Jesus? Jesus saves us from the judgment that's coming because of this problem. I want you to see this. Think about an ark, okay? And in that passage, it says that Noah built a boat. He built the ark. The people got on it. And it says that God shut the door. John 10, 9, this is what it says about Jesus. I want you guys to read this. Jesus said this about himself. Yes, I am the gate. Other versions say, I am the door. Those who come in through me will be saved. They will come and go freely and find good pastures. Jesus says, I'm the door. This is what I want you to know. No matter where this, where, where this hits you today, just like we talked about these young men at the start of the story that did this egregious injustice that, that's painful, right? Or maybe it's just a little something in your life that you know is not right. No matter where you find yourself today, this is what I want you to know. That God who's broken heart, right? Because people had rebelled against him because of his love, his love for you and his love for humanity, right? The punishment that was due us, He said, I'll do it again. This time, I'm going to put it on my son so that you can be saved. That's the love of a father. And Jesus said, I am the door. I am the entryway. The door is wide open. The door is open that those who need him can come on the door and get on the boat. Right? They said, Jesus is the door. Well, you say, man, the world's falling apart. Man, why don't Jesus come back? Well, the thing is, when Jesus comes back, that's going to be the last judgment. And the first judgment came with waves. The second one's coming with flames, right? And this judgment's gonna be great. But this is what I want you to know. This is why God hasn't sent Jesus back yet. I want you to read 2 Peter 3, 9 with me. The Lord isn't really being slow about his promise, as some people think. No, he is being patient for your sake. He's talking about the world here. It says, he does not want anyone to be destroyed. This God of judgment is waiting because he desires everyone to get on the boat. He wants people to get on the boat. It says, no, no, I don't want people to be destroyed. No, I want everyone to repent. And though he knows all won't, he patiently waits for all that will. Not because he's an angry God, not because he's a vengeful God. No, he's a just God that is totally loving. And he loves his creation and he loves people. And he said, I've made a way, I've made a door, the door's open. You can get on the boat. And brother and sister, let me just say this, okay? Why I preach is I pray people get on the boat. My my heart, what makes my heart tick is that people get on the boat. Let me ask something. If you're not on the boat, just be honest with yourself, okay? What could possibly be holding you back from getting on the boat? Because what I've learned as someone who kind of danced around the boat but didn't want to enter it and didn't want to lay my life down, okay? I found great freedom when I got on the boat. I found great freedom when I got on the boat. So for all that are, we're about to worship Jesus and thank you that that he's made a way for us. 
And if you're not on the boat, ask yourself what's keeping you from getting on the boat because today salvation's available in Christ. I'm gonna give that opportunity. And if you need a relationship with Jesus, like I said, the door's open, we just read it. Let's pray together, church. Lord, we love you. God, thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for the gospel that you opened the door. God, that you opened the door to a better ark, that Jesus is the better ark, he's the door. And Lord, I just pray right now as I sense your presence here today, God, I've been wrestling all morning and I can just, I just know, Lord, you're at work in this place. And no matter where you are, man, I wanna tell you, you don't have to wait. You can be born again today and get on the boat and you never have to worry about it again. That Jesus has made a way for you. And so today, if you say, I'm finally done, I'm ready. I've danced around the boat, but I'm ready to have a relationship with Jesus and to begin to live out the faith. Would you just lift your hand? Is that anyone here today? I'm gonna give you guys just a second. Is that anyone here today? Amen. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Is there anyone else? I'll give you guys just a moment. Amen. As we continue to pray, Jesus, thank you. Thank you for your word, your truth. Lord, I just pray right now, God, as we heard your message, God, that as we hear, hmm, Jesus, just thank you for what you did for us. Thank you for how you love us. God, thank you that even in the days of Noah, you had a plan. And God, we can worship you in spirit and in truth, knowing that we've been forgiven. And God, we don't have to worry about it. Whether you love us or not, God, you proved it on the cross. So God, as you minister to every heart today, God, I pray that your spirit, your truth would saturate this place. And God, that we could worship you in freedom and in truth. And Lord, for anyone that, that maybe they're right there and they just didn't quite know what to do, God, I pray you give them the boldness to, to talk to someone and, the, and to come, come face to face with a Savior who loves them more than they could ever possibly know. We love you. In Jesus' name. Thanks for tuning in to the Connection Church Dublin Sermon Podcast. We pray that this message stirred your affections for Jesus. We would love for you to subscribe to the podcast and share it with others. For more information about our church and other resources, please visit ConnectionDublin.com.